0: Only
1: redeemable via Pampers Club. Pampers Cash has no cash value.
0: Is that your kid eating cigarette butts over there? And I'd be like, oh, yep. What fresh hell. (laughs) Laughing in the face of motherhood. Don't let the bumbo capsize. With Margaret Aples
1: And Amy Wilson.
0: I see Roseanne and it's like, I, I start lactating. A podcast that solves today's parenting dilemmas. So you don't have to. No!
1: Hey, everybody. Welcome to this episode of What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood. This is Amy. And this is Margaret. And this week, we're talking about having a baby and a toddler. Oh. <laughs> oh,
0: if you must. We are experts in this topic, Amy, because we both had toddlers and babies, and then we had two toddlers and a baby.
1: Yeah, I kind of did. I had I had three under five. You had three under four, right? I had three under four. I had three in
0: diapers. Yeah. I Did I have three... I don't think I have three under three, but I had mine 18 months apart. Each of them almost exactly 18 months apart. I definitely want it on my tombstone, like three under five, right? Like I was saying. Yeah, it's definitely that thing of like, it's such a rallying cry. Like, Three under five, three under four, three in diapers. And it is, and it should be. You, deser- you
1: deserve every bit of the sympathetic glances and kudos that you do receive when you're yeah, out props, and about with this. Props, ladies,
0: props.
1: This episode was suggested by Raya on Facebook, and she said, do an episode on how to survive a toddler and a newborn. My kids are now one and three, and it's getting easier, but the first eight months were probably the hardest thing I have ever experienced.
0: The first eight months of your first two. Yes. And so we went to your, we went
1: to our Facebook page and we asked our listeners to tell us what advice you have.
0: And we got, I mean, flooded with, with great advice. There was so much advice. You guys, first of all, just check out the Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash what for shell because that we could, we're not even going to be able to include all the good advice. No,
1: now. no. And you know what? I'll put a link on our show page, which is wetfreshallpodcast.com. I will put a link to the specific Facebook conversation where you can find all of this good advice because there's a lot. And and I want to say this, this episode really brought out the champions of the closely spaced siblings, but the winner might be Heidi because mm. she says, my first two kids are 11 months apart and number two <sighs> and number three are 13 months apart. So my oldest Turned two right before my third was born. Yeah,
0: Heidi, you—I uh, mean—bow down, everyone, <laughs> bow down. So we're Heidi gonna hear from Heidi. the queen.
1: Heidi, Heidi has some good advice. We're really grateful that Heidi uh, took the time to type out some advice
0: from. Oh, deep inside, she's got to have some. Amy, I want to start the whole process though with a bit of a rebuttal, controversial. I always say to people when they're like, "I don't understand how you had kids so close together." I do not understand, will never understand how someone has a five-year-old who's in all-day kindergarten and starts again.
1: Well, maybe we should do a separate episode on them because I know those people too. And, uh... But I just
0: mean like for me, like the horror of like three under three was horrible, but all of the bad was together. And that's what I want to say in defense of this whole thing. Like guys, if you're in it, it's really bad in the beginning, but then you're done
1: all at the same time. It is an intensity. It is something that, I mean, it's pretty distant for me now, right? Because I have two teenagers now. And, and, and as I look back, like, was that me? Did I do that? It's And you do. It's a blur. You get through it. So if you're listening to this, we, I know we have some people listening who are about to have number two. And like, it's, it's intense and you do it. And if you have more than one, we've all done it. So should we get to the advice? Yeah, let's hit them you're with make it after all. Okay, obviously the most important thing that you need to set up once you have basically two babies is naps. Napping is very important. And as Erica explains, you need simultaneous naps, that you need to do what you need to do to make that happen so that both kids are sleeping at the same time. I used to do this. So my, my oldest was one and a half when my baby was born and I would put him down in his crib. And by the time he was one and a half, he had his nap time. I think it was around 1230. We read a story. I put him in his crib and then I just would take my newborn and I just would lie down with him. Like on top of me, I put him in in a sling and I just would lie down on my back and immediately, you know, just fall asleep. And he'd fall asleep with me because he was a very agreeable second baby. Thank goodness. And so I just sort of made it happen.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think people sometimes are like, uh, easier said than done, but this is the kind of thing where it's not going to happen. Like, okay, we're all going to nap at the exact same time together every day. Like it doesn't work like that, but it's a good goal to always have in mind. It's a good thing to try. Yeah. You're constantly like moving this family sleep schedule together. And as you keep doing that, you will find that you have kids who nap at the same time. Samantha says, and I think this is good
1: advice, don't mess with your toddler's schedule. Try to get the baby's schedule to sync with the toddlers. And it's true, a newborn, you can just they're, they're ready for a half hour nap whenever, unless they're colicky. But she, So she does say, if you have a very difficult newborn and easygoing toddler, then flip it. Make the one that's more easygoing and flexible adhere to the schedule of the one that needs to be more set.
0: Even with my first baby, I was breastfeeding and I implemented what I called snack and snooze. And it was like a three hour block in the afternoon where we just stayed in bed. And like, he could like breastfeed a little bit and we would both snooze a little bit. And then I would wake up. And if I woke up, I would try to just relax and read a little bit, like three hours in the afternoon, we were in bed and it was snack and snooze. And then when he, that became his afternoon nap. And so that became the time I did it with the new baby. And that's the way, like, we're not saying like, Regiment and like militaristically, like now we sleep, but like carve out the nap times that are already there as times that are really quiet in the house, and your baby will start falling into that as a nap schedule.
1: Anna Lynn called it family snuggle time, and she says it's kind of the same snack and snares. It's the same thing, but there's an important underlying thing here, which is mom, you. This is for you too. Like it's okay when you have two little ones and you were probably up a couple times during the night. That that nap time both kids are asleep. And if you need to lie there and be immobile for that to be happening, if you need to tandem nurse or you need to have one, you know, watching Octonauts and then then fall asleep and the other one's nursing and you kind of can't move for an hour, that's okay. That's close your eyes, put your feet up, listen to a podcast. It's more than okay. It's
0: ideal. It's a must. It's a nap is for you too, mom. Absolutely. And I am not a good napper and I really don't, I don't sleep well. And I always had sleep problems around the kids and it was hard for me, but I found even if I could just spend the two hours of my kid's afternoon nap warm in bed with the baby and the baby would sleep on and off, I found it relaxing. Like don't, lock yourself in mentally to like, we all have to fall asleep the second the baby falls asleep because that's when the counter starts and the baby's going to wake up. It's like, just try to take quiet time at those times and it all start to come together.
1: Raya did say that, you know, she will sometimes drive around in the car because that will immediately make both of her little ones fall asleep. And at least it's time for her. She puts on a podcast. It's quiet. She's not holding them and they're sleeping. That's a good way to sort of create a nap time.
0: Where well, you need if you're it. having trouble also like getting things to fall into place, it's like you pick the time of the day and it will, yeah, it will follow. The sleep will follow if you carve out the times of the day. My kids napped at nine in the morning and one in the afternoon every day. And just making sure those times were always set as nap times. Sometimes the kids didn't sleep during that time, but when I kept it consistent, then they all started sleeping at the times. You know, it's not like it magically happens because some people might say, oh, but my kids don't fall asleep then. If you always keep the time, it will start to become nap time and they will start to fall asleep more easily. You have to stick with it. And I will say
1: one thing that I was sort of semi-flexible on was where the baby was sleeping. Once you have more than one, my baby would definitely be napping my second and then my third on the go in the stroller, in the car seat, et cetera, et cetera. Somebody told me and I thought it was great advice and I stuck with it. The baby should get one nap at home in the crib. One, you know, actual just for you nap because the other ones are going to be snoozing on the go. And that's okay. I always tried to have one at home for that, for the baby.
0: Well, yeah. And then I had like a preschooler at some point while my little one was still napping and it's like 1230 pickup we could do. And then sometimes he would stay and it would be 130. And it's like, yeah, you're going to end up with a kid who falls asleep in the car.
1: Oh, and that's always, it's the worst when they, of course, I wasn't doing car, I was doing stroller walking around New York City and they, and you're walking home, you're trying to get them home for a nap because oh they'll never I would be for, pinching
0: them while they, while oh, I drove, like, my, don't fall asleep, don't fall asleep. Good. Right.
1: And they fall asleep in the stroller. I remember like if the elevator would, you know, sometimes an elevator gets to a floor and it goes like a ding, and it kind of, yeah, yeah, the ding or just the way it sort of stops and, and goes up and down just a little bit, that would be enough to wake them and like seven minute oh, yeah. nap, you, like, no problem. And you fall
0: to your knees and you're shaking your face <laughs> yes. into heaven and you're like no yes yes I had a gated house in LA I mean when I say a gated house like don't picture a mansion it was like a little house with like an iron gate around it I would occasionally pull in shut the gate open the doors of the car let the baby continue to sleep in the car bring the other kids in and put them to bed go back to the car and read a book so then everybody was still asleep right at the same
1: time right many many a time the stroller in in our hallway with with the napping baby in it and you, yeah and you're like unzipping the coat like I like, know. Like, so, right like, I'm just like, leave the coat. Whatever it is, slowly. if you're hot, you wake
0: up. Right. <laughs> right. All right. So we figured out naps. Naps, you got to do. It's a non-negotiable. I don't want to hear it's not going to happen. Just keep at it. Just keep at it. All right. Let's talk about
1: sanity savers, things that will get you through this intense time. And one for me that I've talked about on the show before, but I think it's important is when the baby comes, if your toddler wants to regress a little bit, that's okay. If they want their blankie out of the crib, if they want their passy
0: more often, who cares? Like Let let them have it and worry about it a little later. In my case, if they've been pooping in the potty and now they're going back to diapers, just suck it up for another month. It's right, fine. Right. It's not time to die on any hill when you've got a two-week-old and a 18-month-old. Right, exactly. Let, let, let that go. go. Make like Elsa and let it go.
1: The other sort of obvious thing, but we heard from so many people, is like TV. There's going to be more TV in your life for the toddler in the near term, and that's okay. And seriously, three people said that the thing that got them through was Moana. The movie Moana. <laughs> like repeated Kelly, Raya, and Laura. God bless Lynn manuel Miranda. He's saving us all. All said that their kid watched moana over and over again laura said having made it to three without watching a movie my son has now watched moana more times that i can count in his brother's three months of life so he's made up for lost time he has moana memorized i don't think i've ever seen moana but uh it it sounds like ladies you should consider it
0: i would break into some moana songs but i don't want people to turn off the podcast
1: (laughs) anna lynn says boss baby was the movie they watched over and over so you know take that that didn't look like a great like film. I feel everybody
0: has, from this phase of life, two things. One is the show that their kids were watching. For us, it was Octonauts. And one is the show that they were watching while they breastfed late at night, which for me was Roseanne. Like, it's like, I, I just associate, I see Roseanne and it's like, I, I start lactating. Like, it's like, I would sit up at night and watch Roseanne. And the kids would watch Octonauts in the morning when I was tired. Like, it's like those shows are just burned in my memory. I watched
1: Dr. Phil, which has completely gone over a cliff. But I will say like so my oldest is 16, like 16 years ago. It wasn't actually completely horrible every day, just sometimes. And that's what
0: I yeah, watched. It's just funny. Like you just associate those things. I'm going to give you my biggest surviving with a baby and toddler. This is, was the key to my life. Find every fenced in playground near where you live. And see, you live in New York City, so I think all the playgrounds are pretty much fenced, right?
1: Yeah, I like, we're lousy with playgrounds. Yeah, and they're, and they're, yeah, they're mostly fenced. Of course, do, does the person remember to, to latch the gate when they come in is another question. But yes, there's lots of fenced-in
0: playgrounds. Yeah, so that was the key to my sanity. Because then, especially when I had three under three or three under four, I could kind of just let it go. And like occasionally someone would be like, is that your kid eating cigarette butts over there? And I'd be like, oh, yep, let me go deal with that. But I knew they weren't at least like in the next county. Because in LA we had a lot of, when I was raising my little ones, I was in Los Angeles. And there were a lot of like giant parks with open playgrounds. And one of my kids was a runner. Like he would just stand up and just go for it. And he would be like three football fields away. And I would have to constantly be like, just screaming at strangers, like, go catch that little boy in the yellow (laughs) t-shirt. So I mapped out in my mind, like, and I would tell people like, oh, do you want to meet at this park? I'm like, I can't, there's no fence around that playground. I knew every fenced playground within a 50 mile radius.
1: There's a related tip to this and I can't find right now who said it. So I'll give her a shout out once I find it. But she said to make sure you always, when you're, you know, putting your two little ones in the car, in the car seats, always strap in the more mobile one first. And that is such good advice. And I did, I remember my kid, my, I, I, I like was putting my baby in the car seat once and I hear a toot toot. And I look up and my two year old is standing in the middle of a country lane with a car
0: that had come along and he just was, you know, just hanging out in the middle of the road. We did it once in a busy LA parking lot. I will say my husband did it and we had some words about it, but Exactly. He unbuckled the mobile kid and then as he was getting the baby out of the car, mobile kid like darted out between two cars in the parking lot and thank God there was no one coming because you must keep your mobile child contained until you have the baby all set and ready to go so that you can hold the mobile child's hand and then you reverse it when you get back in the car. (laughs) The mobile kid gets strapped first and then you deal with the baby and that is like... It's just one of those mental notes to make. And then I have a hilarious example of this that I will share with you right after the break. Margaret,
1: I've got a go-to baby shower gift that I give whenever there's another newborn in my life. Can you guess what it is? Amy, three guesses, first two don't count. It's Pampers Swaddlers. while Start your Hero Bread bundle on their website and get 10% off your order. Go to hero.co and use the code MOTHERHOOD at checkout.
0: I like this bread, people. It's H-E-R-O dot C-O and code MOTHERHOOD for 10% off your order of Hero Bread. Okay, my ultra example, Amy, of this tip is that we, for some reason, because I think we must be insane, took our toddler and baby ice skating... <laughs> and it was a mistake but my husband and i were both wearing ice skates and then we were dealing with the baby and futzing around and i took my to- my toddler came over who's tired i took off his ice skates put them down and then my husband had the baby and then of course my toddler took off running And my husband and I were both still in ice skates. So I'm chasing my toddler wearing ice skates through a park in LA, trying to catch him in downtown Los Angeles. And he like almost made it to the subway. And I was just screaming at people, like grab that little blonde boy as I tried to like chase him through the streets of Los Angeles while I was wearing ice skates. Did you ever consider using
1: one of those harnesses like you see people use at Disney World that I'm a little judgy about, but now I know why they use them?
0: A hundred percent, You should have no shame about using a harness, even if you call it a leash. I actually often thought about it and I never, I think we even bought one. I will say it's one of those problems that tends to peak and then disappear. Like right when I thought I can't handle it without the harness, I was fine without it. I think if you master your order of strapping and unstrapping the kids, the leash things become easier. But I had a runner, as I said, and I have no judgment for people who use a harness. I thought about it and I would have done it. I just kind of almost never got organized to do it. And then by the time I really thought about it, it wasn't really an issue anymore.
1: Well, that's an important thing to pass on to people who are listening too. Like I had a runner for six weeks once. Like these, these things that when you're in them seem like, this is your new reality forever is just a very intense but contained moment in your
0: life. And what I will say about that is another big rule of mine at the time was anything that was panicking me, I had to wait for 2 weeks before I made a decision about it. And that really helped me through this time because I would be like I can't handle this kid always running away and then 2 weeks later it would just be better. Things change so fast at this age. That like I can't handle the kid who cries instead of naps and then two weeks later it wouldn't be happening anymore. So I tried to make a deal with myself. Do not panic about anything that hasn't been happening for two weeks. Obviously I'm not talking about things like fevers, rashes, medical stuff. Deal with those right away. But behavior stuff that you're having trouble with at this phase, I would give it two weeks before you decide it's ruining your whole life. That's good advice. Missy said something about um, that was a
1: little bit bit less ambitious than ice skating. She had a activities that she could do with one hand ready to go like she had a basket where it's like I could kind of do this puzzle with one hand I can kind of stack these blocks with one hand so that she could be nursing the baby with one hand and p- playing on the floor with the toddler at the same time
0: and I thought that was that was pretty good advice actually at some point my husband came home and I was playing soccer with the older kid while breastfeeding another <laughs> one and he was like I-, I think we've reached a new low and I'm like yeah well what are you gonna do Jennifer says her boys are eighteen months apart, and she joined a moms group,
1: and that was her sanity saver. And that certainly was for me. Like just having a place you have to go doesn't matter if it's cold or hot or raining. Or like I would strap my boys in their double stroller, and off we'd go to somebody's house where there were different toys and a grown ups for me to talk to. And it, it, that's a if you can if you can find that, use it while you're home with both of them, and, and get
0: out. Absolutely great advice. And I had this. Friday nights for me. So my husband worked like a pretty, you know, like nine to five, although it was of course more like nine to seven kind of a job. And so from Monday to Friday, I was by myself with the kids all day, every day. And I started meeting another mom at a, like a play space, indoor kind of play space at 4.30 on Friday afternoons. And then my husband would meet us there by six. And so basically by 3.30 on Friday, I was kind of done. I was like getting the kids ready to get in the car and go. And then I would meet my friends. It was like, it gave me like, if I can make it till 3.30 on Friday, I'm okay. And that helped me a lot.
1: Yeah. You need a reason to get out of the house every day as much as it seems. You need seems,
0: a reason to keep going. Yeah.
1: You need that two o'clock music together class with the tambourines. It it gives you a, st- a structure for your day that.
0: Hello, everybody. Right.
1: We're glad to see you. And the baby likes that stuff just as much. All right. Well, let's let's move on to gear that works. I thought we had some good, good advice here, too. Melissa said you have to make sure you get one of those frames for the car seat so that the baby's car seat can pop out and could chunk right into a thing that becomes a stroller. So if you get to somebody's house and the baby is sleeping, they can continue sleeping.
0: Get one of those people. That's non optional, guys. That's not optional. It's 2018. You got to have one of those. Colleen said that she replaced the glider in her son's room with a lazy boy
1: recliner that was big enough to fit her and the baby and the toddler for what we were talking about before. What did you call it? Snack and snooze? Snack and snooze. You need a proper snack and snooze chair. And if you need to, you know, move some stuff around and make that happen, I encourage you to get the best chair you can that can also fit your toddler for all the time you're going to be spending reading the pokey little puppy. Oh yeah. That's a good, (laughs)
0: that's a good one. Wherever it is, like get your space going.
1: Baby wearing. I didn't figure this out until number three. My first, baby was a colicky baby and wouldn't tolerate it. And so I didn't try it with number two. Like the story you I told hurt. myself was like, my babies don't like baby wearing. And then I got to number three and I just had to, and she loved it. And she spent the first you know year of her life on my front. Like I was a kangaroo and a lot of people, Kelsey, Miriam said this, that that was their lifesaver. They can't live without. Melissa suggests keeping a carrier in your car all the time in case you need it.
0: And I will say I went for the three-kid stroller. I had the double stroller, and then I put, I think they call it a kickstand or something. Yeah, yeah. Because with a three-year-old, in my case, if we went somewhere, like, he wasn't really up for a really long while. We'd go to the zoo, basically. And I just pushed all three of them in the stroller, and people would goof on me and be like, oh, my God. I mean, it looked like, you know those pictures of, like, you'll see a country, and it's like, there's 76 people on a motorbike and they're all riding along. Like that's basically what I look like all the time. But rather that than like have my th- trying to carry a three-year-old while pushing a double stroller. It's not happening.
1: Yeah. And I always had the the carrier with me because often the three-year-old would end up in the stroller and the, ba- in the baby stroller while I was wearing the baby because the three-year-old thought he wanted to walk until he didn't anymore.
0: Yeah, that's a tricky one because that three year old is not if you're at the zoo. I mean, the L.A. Zoo is in a Griffith Park and it's really hilly and it's a lot of walking and sometimes it's 110 degrees. And so my three year old, realistically, I mean, he could people can do anything, but he was really miserable if he was walking for four hours in there.
1: Now that zoos are about like habitats and not cages, you do have to walk like a mile and a half before you see a single
0: animal. That's the thing, they're and then it's really, like a red panda really or something. They're not, they're yeah,
1: not, it's not that. No, it's You're a not crack. seeing good stuff until the kids are ready, ready to to uh, get in the stroller. So yeah, have have yeah. options. Have options. Let's talk about presets because I I this was a whole theme that developed in the comments that I was like I I don't know if I did this but I would have been all over this if I thought about it. This is all stuff that people moms of two who have gone through this say that you should do while you have both hands free because at least three quarters of the time you won't have. Well, let's say half the time you won't have any hands-free and then another 25% of the time you'll have one hand-free. So these are the things you do when you have both hands-free that you plan ahead so that they're ready. Okay. Hit me. Raya said that she would have a surprise, she called it the surprise basket. and Because you know how when you sit down and nurse the baby, this is 100% of the time when your toddler will decide they need you to get up and get something. Like they're pushing your buttons. Well, I need this. And so she had a basket of snacks and i don't know books and i don't, she doesn't really say what was in there mostly food i guess but she had it ready for the toddler so that when the toddler was like i need you to get me as soon as as soon as you're like stuck for 20 minutes you can say go to your surprise basket and you can pick out anything you want and right. she said it and was it's really, really like the worth
0: measure thing too which is like do you love me more or are you gonna stay with the baby and nurse it yes and it kind of gives you an opportunity to be like i made you this very special thing yeah. Kara said tweet, the same tweet. thing. It's a little precious, but you know, make it work for you. Kara said the
1: same thing, like have the snack ready before you sit down a nurse and then, you know, let stuff happen. Like, like she says, if your kid dumps out all the pieces of the puzzle and they made a big mess. Okay. There's a big mess. Is anybody bleeding? No. So just leave it for a while. You know, don't you're going to, you're going to have to give up some measure of being able to follow around your toddler like you used to and sort of render their every moment sort of contained and maximum learning and all that you're gonna they're gonna have to learn to wander and do stuff on their own a little more
0: so just be where you can keep an eye on them and spoiler alert is a good thing yeah it is it's a good thing like the whole thing of tweet tweet like oh it's how do I get my kid ready and oh now they have to share my love relax everybody that's everybody through the history of time who's ever had a sibling and we all live to tell about it like yeah these are not permanently psychologically scarring things to have to say and I still say it to my 10, 8, and 6-year-old every day. We are a family. That means you don't always get your first choice. Sometimes it's someone else's first choice. Sometimes it's someone else's day. It's good. These are good lessons. You know, The they, world revolves around you, and I meet your every need all day, every day, is for the birds.
1: It is. And, the, and it also, developmentally, interestingly enough, it coincides with a time assuming that the average toddler that we're talking about here is going to be somewhere between one and a half and two and a half years old when the new sibling comes, they are at an age where they want to do things by themselves. I buckle this by yeah. myself. I get my own this. I, I get my, I, I hold my juice myself. They want to do that. And so it is very important that you lean into that and, you know, judge their independence and and let that be something that you really hold up as like, oh, wow. Daddy, look at how she's doing that all by herself. Like lean into their independence because you're gonna need them to be more independent. And right, they kind of wanna be. So let it be a wonderful thing.
0: Yeah. And at this point of life, you know that like every kid is always always like, I do it myself. Like that's what you hear from them. So great, go do it yourself. I got a baby
1: to deal with. Marcy had good advice. She said, because she was often saying, No, I can't do that right now. I'm helping the baby. I can't do that right now. That she would sometimes make sure to say to the baby, who's an infant, right, to say like, "I can't do that right now. Like, I hear you crying, but I can't help you right Mm -hmm. now because I'm getting, I'm getting Connor his lunch. You know that you make sure you make sure you return the favor. That's smart. I used to all the time say to whoever my baby was, in earshot of the toddler, like, "No, you can't go to the grocery store with mommy." you're the baby. You're going to stay home. Only Connor gets to go to the dentist with mommy. I would always take opportunities to explain to the baby how they weren't old enough to do Mm. do whatever I was trying to get the toddler to do.
0: And it worked. And I will say that this is something we still struggle with as a three-kid family, which is that there are kids who, for whatever reason, demand more attention at different times. But sometimes like one kid overall demands more attention or is just like the kind of personality that sucks up more of the oxygen in the room. And my husband and I at 10, eight and 6 we'll still have the conversation where I will sit him down and be like, we need to pay attention more to our middle kid. Now we need to take two days and make it his days. Like just to try to avoid the thing of like, the reason I, I will say it is because I'll notice that one of the kids is like, kind of just going for a lot of negative attention. And I'm like, oh, that's right. We've been spending too much time on the kid who has high needs and we need to just take two days to really make it about a different kid in the family so that we're not always just dealing with the kid who's the squeaky wheel.
1: Monica said this and I thought it was a really important thing like in related to this, like the the toddler is maybe going to get a little bit more difficult and they may need you to like lean into that a little bit, as you say, and prioritize them a little bit. She said it really helps to be empathetic about, without getting too precious about it, empathetic that your toddler has had their daytime one-on-one buddy, assuming that you're home with them, has been taken away. And if you can be empathetic, well, that does kind of suck, and you let them have their blankie a little bit more, that that's going to help you through this. If they're choosing this moment, you have a colicky baby and you have mastitis and the toddler's being more demanding, it's a lot. But if you can remember, like nobody asked them, then it does help you sort of
0: be empathetic. And we have a big overall, lots of people suggested go-to piece of advice on that, and we're going to get to that right after this. Your second child is here, and it might be time to adjust your expectations. First child. We shall eat only
1: organic foods which I will lovingly hand blend. Second child. Is a six-month-old too little to gnaw on a McDonald's french fry?
0: First child.
1: Screens. Are you insane? Don't you know Steve Jobs didn't let his own children have iPads until they were six? Second child. Okay, let me prop you up in the bumbo to watch Dora the Explorer, and then maybe I can grab my first shower of the week.
0: First child.
1: Oh, no. I could never leave my precious child. Second child. Honey, if you don't book me a sitter and get me out of here this week, I am going to lose my mind. First child. We will maintain a rigorous nap schedule from which I shall never veer second child the baby's asleep everyone lie down now this could be our only chance move
0: people move this has been your guide to adjusting your expectations after a second child from the what fresh hell podcast So, Amy, we had a ton of people give this suggestion. It's a good suggestion, an old suggestion, a solid suggestion, and it is give your toddler jobs. Yep. Let them help. That relate to the baby. Mm -hmm. Let them help. So a lot of like, oh, I need you to help me with the baby. Go get the diapers. Could you help me feed the baby? I mean, be careful with this because it involves a lot of eye stabbing with a spoon when you let the toddler feed the baby, in my experience. But- a lot of like, you have a new important role helping with the baby.
1: Yep. Heavy praise and clapping afterwards, Kelly says. And that's important too. <laughs> like, wow, you just got the blanket. And Raya makes a good point. Again, it's the preset thing. She says she would leave the wipes, the blanket accessible for the toddler. Like, if they're going to go get the blanket for you, then make sure they're on a shelf Keep with it a on toddler the toddler right and reach level, it.
0: Exactly. I will say this doesn't work for everyone. My older son had no interest in the baby, no interest in helping with the baby, and didn't seem that perturbed by the baby's presence. So he, I mean, he was slightly interested, like, huh, a baby, but we didn't do a ton of this. So it depends on the kid.
1: Mandy said the same thing. She said, my daughter was not happy with the baby and was not a helper. And so you don't, yeah, don't try to make this happen. It's not, it'll either work for you. It'll either really work for the toddler, in which case use it, or they'll be indifferent or worse resistant and then drop this immediately. This is only, only if it's useful because PS with most of these things, the toddler quote unquote helping means it'll take five times longer than if you just did it. This is about, this is about making them, keeping them occupied and making them feel included.
0: And also relax. This is not going to define the sibling relationship your kids have for their whole lives. Like don't, decide that your job is to make these two beings love each other in a fairy tale way? Because it may not happen and it does not matter at all. Like my dad tells a story that his friend who's a pediatrician was saying, or an obstetrician, like people are always like, oh, you know, you're going to love your new sibling. And he always says to parents like, okay, what if the husband came home and was like, Amy, you're going to love the new wife I'm bringing home. Maria, she's so nice. Like, you're not gonna like her it's it's an adversarial relationship she's taking over your spot so do not insist constantly on how much you're gonna love this baby because maybe not it's fine you'll you'll get the picture they'll be at some point we all have the you know the pictures in our photo albums
1: of when the of the toddler propped up with the baby when you first come home at the hospital you'll have those photo moments and you'll take them and, and then other times the kid will be Indifferent or perhaps openly hostile. And then you just keep them separate for.
0: Right. But if you spend your whole time being like, oh, two best friends. Oh, freaking frack forever. Like, relax. They, they're, they're, they're not even really that cognizant of each other. It's not, don't, don't try to force that. You'll drive yourself crazy. That's not something that you have to put on your list, right? Let's talk about
1: letting people help. It's complicated because if you're breastfeeding, which a lot of us are, your partner can't help, can't get up with you in the middle of the night, can't do those nursing sessions which take a long time in the beginning and so you are stuck with that and then the toddler will usually be uniquely focused on only mommy right only mommy can cut my hot dog only mommy can read me this story they want your attention too so you have to figure out how people can help with all the things that aren't your children your children's
0: actual emotional needs for you so important and i'm going to return to one of our favorite themes be careful of your story here mm-hmm. it is so tempting and easy for the story to be i have to do everything no one can help me i am the only one who can do it and like if your toddler thinks you're the only one who can cut the hot dog and you're miserable it might be time to be like neighbor sue is going to cut your hot dog and if you don't like it don't eat like if you let the story become i am the only person who can do anything It's the path to misery. You got to open up some doors and figure out what other people can do. And my advice to helpers, and this goes for people who are sick, people who have had new babies, people who have experienced tragedies in their life, people who are having a hard time in any way. The phone call you make is not what can I do to help? The phone call you make is I am going to come over and bring some dinner. If that person says no, you say, is there anything else I can do instead? And if they say no, you try again later. So don't bring dinner if they don't want it, but come in with a concrete suggestion of what you could do to help. Right, right. I and then- was thinking I could come over and do some loads of laundry and fold them for you. I am a person who does not like other people touching my underwear. So when people offer to fold my laundry, I'm so skeeved out by it. And I'm like, whatever you do, don't do that. But I might say, You know what, that's not helpful. But what would would be great is if you go upstairs and organize all the baby clothes for me. And so offer concrete help because often when you call people and you're like, How can I help? They're too overwhelmed to think of something for you. And they feel embarrassed to make a suggestion.
1: Or you're embarrassed to have people come over and see your your messy house or that you're barely surviving. Samantha said that she she just invited everybody in her house. If it's chaotic, let them see that it's chaotic. They're they're not gonna be surprised by that or taken aback by that. It is it is chaotic. So say yes, even when your knee-jerk reaction is, oh, say no. Even if somebody comes over and just plays with the toddler on the floor for a little while and and gives the bigger kid their full attention, they don't have to take them to the museum for the afternoon. They can just play blocks on the floor for half an hour.
0: Your life will be a little bit easier for that attention. And if you're really struggling, which I was at one point, challenge yourself to figure out what other people can help with. One thing I did was I backed off from exclusively breastfeeding, which was also a factor of not producing enough milk. So it wasn't, the decision was not only I want this, but I realized that if I, alternated breastfeeding and bottle feeding that my kid was getting a lot of the benefits of breastfeeding and I was not so tired that I was a miserable human being to be around all the time and that seemed like a really smart trade-off for me.
1: Yeah I would say that that the idea that there's nipple confusion and, and you can't ever give your baby a bottle or something terrible will happen to your breastfeeding regimen is is, is a dangerous for me. Yeah. That's a dangerous thing. Cause it just, yeah, it just makes people want to stop and you, you can work in a bottle once
0: in a while and, and things, things work out pretty well. It just seems more than any other time in your life to be careful of the story of like, I have to do it all myself. I'm the only one who knows how to do it. The kids only want it from me. Like if you are miserable, that is not worth it. Make some sort of change. That is my strongest advice. I want to circle back to what you were saying because
1: I agree with that so strongly that if the toddler like oh no only I can put him down for his nap because he likes to twirl my hair around his fingers and like breaking that will be hard for like 15 minutes so do it lean into the opportunities to change up that only you can do everything for the older kid because the kid wants more independence
0: anyway and spoiler alert your kid loves you best forever. (laughs) It doesn't matter what you do. If you leave the house for three years, you come back and your kid still likes you best. You're the mom. You can let a lot of other people in and they're not taking any pieces of the love pie. Your kid loves you best. They want you most, but be healthy and let other people do stuff for you. That's well said. Please, We had some really good sort of overall takeaways. Oh, it was Beth who said strap the most mobile kid into her card. Beth, you're a genius. Thank you, Beth. Thank you.
1: <laughs> Let's all applaud Beth for that for that wonderful advice. Heidi said, if she had one clean toilet and a decently clean kitchen, then nothing else was urgent or overwhelming. And she had like
0: three kids under two. <laughs> right. She was doing much better than me, Heidi. She, so stop She had one off.
1: clean toilet and a decently clean kitchen? Yeah, not me. <laughs> Rachel says, you need to give yourself grace. So much grace, she says. I wish I would have been nicer to myself. And just do your best.
0: I want to put a practical face on that because I think it can sound a little goony goo goo and like, give yourself grace. What does it mean? I figured out that baths were my special place that relaxed me. And I tried to set aside a time to take a bath. And my husband was kind of in on the plan. And I will say my husband's a doll. And he would like come home from work And he would walk in the bathroom and set up the bath and put on like calming music and light candles in there. And then he'd be like, I've got the kids for half an hour. This is bath time for you. And like, like young Frankenstein, which might be an oldie locks alert. Back in my day, there's a scene in the movie Young Frankenstein where he's like, whatever you hear from in, he goes into confront the (laughs) Frankenstein monster. He's like, whatever you hear, do not come in. And then, of course, the monster starts like trying to kill him and he's like, help, help. And they're like, no, we're not going in. But that's what David would sort of say, whatever you hear out here, just you're in the bath. This is your half an hour of bath time. Like try to find some actual ways to say like, this is my time that I do something for myself. I want to go back to Emily said that if your toddler loves the bath, like let them
1: take a bath for an hour. I mean, obviously you're sitting right there with the newborn sitting on the toilet seat, but like lean into what's working, right? If you, if you like baths, take a long bath. If the toddler likes a long bath, then... It, it's bath all day. If they want, if they're happy in their high chair for 15 minutes after dinner's over, then leave them in the high chair. Like do not, do not rush to the next thing. If the, if the current moment that you're in is working,
0: whatever's working, stay with it as yeah. long as possible. Yes. That's good advice. And then the other thing I will say is at a certain point, baths become a common activity. So everybody's in the bath at once. You don't give three baths, but don't do learn from me. I don't even know am- they still make those bumbo seats. Mm-hmm. I had this brilliant idea that I would put my son, my toddler in, and then the baby would go in his bumbo seat in the bathtub so he could sit next to the brother. And, of course, I stuck the bumbo seat in the bathtub, and it immediately, like, it's not meant for the bathtub, and I'm sure it says that on there. And it immediately, like, capsized, and he was, like, stuck in the <laughs> bumbo seat upside down underwater. So that I would not do. That was a mistake. Learn from me. But you're right. That's what the
1: arc is bending towards here. That's one of my overall takeaways, that this gets easier when your kids stop needing different things at the same time. Right. Heaven. When you're when your newborn is nursing six, eight times a day and your toddler is in potty trained like that's hard. This all starts getting much easier once it's lunchtime at 12, nap time at 1230 for both of them, bath time at 630 for both of them and story time and bedtime at the same time. Your life will change once they are doing the same things at the same time. And so move towards that baby steps Because the sooner you get there, the sooner this will get easier.
0: Absolutely. And that's what I always tell people who are like, I don't know if I should have another. I'm like, you're already doing all the things. It doesn't, it takes no more energy to put four more chicken nuggets on the plate and serve it than it does to make four chicken nuggets. Like now you're just making eight. Like the beginning is a little bit hard until the baby kind of gets on the schedule. But then it's like, it's dinner time. It's bath time. It's all the stuff you're already doing. You're just making a little more stuff and you need to carry a little more people. It's fine. <laughs> just a little more people and a the little halls. more peoples. And I will say other giant takeaway advice, which I've talked about before in the babysitting episode. I think I started getting my neighborhood very young. I think at the time she was like 13 years old. She was not a babysitter. She would come from five to seven at night. I would pay her. I don't even know what eight to $10 an hour was not a lot of money. Cause she was a child just to have another set of hands. I would be in the bathtub and then I would call to her and say, hey, take the baby, put a diaper on him. And then I'm going to keep get the other kid out. Like just, it was literally like hiring a second set of hands for the two hours a night that were the hardest, which is like, I'm trying to make dinner and bathe the kids and get them to bed. Very, very helpful and cheap. You can do it with a nine-year-old. Like it does not need to be an expert person. It needs to be a slightly reasonable human with two hands, basically. There is no shame in that
1: game, right? They're they're helping you.
0: They're, you're still
1: doing it. They're
0: helping. It's, it's crucial. Yeah. And like a lot of kids like to have something that makes them a little bit of money. They like to practice babysitting. Call your local Girl Scouts. Girl Scouts has a um, babysitter training program that their scouts go through. And a lot of them want to practice. And you say like, hey, I'll pay you eight bucks an hour if you come over for two hours. And like done and done, you got another set of hands.
1: I tell you what, and the toddlers, the toddlers love the the big kids, right? Like like kids at pretty young ages sense this is somebody who's not a grown up, but is a lot older than me, and a, just a a fascinating creature. And so, like a a nine year old to a one year old is like, oh, I I hope I would ever someday be this cool of a creature and and, and it's the a good skill set around. for the
0: kid is very low it's stare at the child do not then let them lick an outlet if they try to call me like that's it don't let the bumbo capsize so that, that you, well yeah don't put the bumbo in the back for right? my that mistakes a kid. huge mistake on my part I should have seen it coming. Like the water was filling it up. And I was like, this is a great plan. And then all of a sudden the bumbo started floating and I my life flashed before me.
1: I thought it was going to, I thought you're going to say it got waterlogged, which would make it no, not it floats.
0: It floats oh. like a boat, but like a very unsturdy boat. <laughs> a, bad, a bad, bad boat. Well, and so my big takeaways are no bumbo in the tub and do not take toddler and baby ice skating.
1: No, God, God, no. And keep in idea. mind, you know, we heard we heard many, many versions of this from all of you, but I liked what Missy said. There's a lot of trial and error. There's mostly error. In the end, we all cried frequently. <laughs> it was hard, but it was temporary. And her mantra was, this too shall pass. This is an intense and temporary moment in
0: time that you'll be telling stories about for the rest of your life. Yeah, this too shall pass is a perfect place to end. So guys, we want you, this all started on the Facebook page. We want you to come back to our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash WhatFreshHellCast. And now you know about our Facebook community and group, and we want you to come there and have lots of great conversations with your fellow moms. Yeah, so it would be good for the people who are
1: moms of two to help each other out with what's working and not working. You can also go to our Instagram, which is WhatFreshHellCast, or our Twitter, which is at WFHpodcast.
0: And we're going to have some links and fun stuff on our website, whatfreshhellpodcast.com, as always, and also a link to the new community if you're having any trouble finding it on Facebook. So come talk to us, guys. And don't forget, if you have a friend who's expecting a baby and already has a toddler, got to share this post on our Facebook wall and let her know about it. Help her out. Tons of good info. Absolutely. Thanks for listening, guys. We'll talk to you next week. Thanks, guys. Bye-bye.